All right. Welcome back. Let's officially uh, welcome in our uh, co-host, guest co-host on a Monday morning, Dave Jamison, the former um, night news person at CKNW. Were you the night news? Is that what you were on the night run? I I will uh, bore your audience for a moment. Uh, If you really want to go right back to, I've been uh, talking for dollars since my early 20s and got my start in my hometown of Vancouver. Uh, working, uh, doing the all-night sh- uh, news across the province uh, and in Vancouver uh, in uh, at a radio station called CKWX. And then I got hired actually in the middle of the night by John Ashbridge, who uh, people who are fans of Vancouver Canuck hockey, he was the iconic voice in arena voice of the Vancouver Canucks oh, okay. for many, many years. Uh, was also uh, a really good news guy, and he hired me. He phoned, but the phone rang in the newsroom at like three in the morning. I'm working alone, <laughs> and uh, I pick it up, and you know, and he goes, Jamison Ashbridge, do you want to come and work for a real radio station? <laughs> and of course, CKW back then was the second largest radio station in the country, mm-hmm. and we had you know the Canucks, we had the Lions, we had anything that mattered. We were bigger, sorry, Kev, than. Uh, any television station oh, out there? No, I, I know nah, you guys. Know. You guys have the good hair and teeth, but yeah. we actually had the talent um, <laughs> and and just a lineup of heavy hitters. And that's where I got started. I was a news guy, and then morphed into ended up filling in uh, for Dan Russell. I was his backup host for three years doing sports talk. Well, I'm looking forward to these next two hours. It's oh, well, be, thank you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers uh, Sportsnet. Uh, Speck, you were with uh, Carius, Jameson. you got to be pretty excited about that, uh, huh? Or what? Yeah, that's the uh, former <laughs> CKO color analyst to you guys, if you don't mind uh, that reference for me. No, I like that a lot, Speck, yes. And, and just the way it, there, that pause there, yeah. when Kev said, that's got to excite you. And I thought, no, actually, Speck, that doesn't do a thing for Speck. I was thinking that yeah. same thing. <laughs> so you're not excited, Speck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? I've known Jamo for a long time. Yes, nice to go way uh, back. Nice to see yeah. you on the air. You're sounding good. Thank you. Uh, you're looking okay. Yeah, well, Let's do it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the old pregnant pause by Mark Spector. Yeah. So uh, we've got a couple texts coming into our uh, text line, one 401 Well, basically saying, one of them's coming in saying, uh, Connor McDavid's going to play in the Heritage Classic. What do you think, Speck? Well, listen, the caveat here is teams never tell you the truth about injuries. And there's a sliding scale. The better the player, the more nefarious the information is on injuries, right? Mm-hmm. They'll usually tell you the truth on the on the 14th forward. But <laughs> Connor McDavid, let's go back to his knee injury he had that summer. How'd that work, boys? Did yeah. we get an ounce of truth from any side of that argue, you know, that conversation? We did not. So I, I mean, I'll take the orders at face value. A week to two weeks. That's, uh, you know, I'm kind of happy that they've come out with a little bit of a timeline, and and it'll stop the city from panicking. But if it's a week to two weeks, starting yesterday at four o'clock, uh, you know, that was seven days away from mm-hmm. puck drop in the Heritage Classic. So. You know, would you start your best player on a possibly a cold night on iffy ice, or mm-hmm. would you wait till that game's passed? I would say, if I was a laying odds boys, I'd say she's about fifteen percent. He's playing in that game. 
That's kind of what I said off the top, uh, Dave. You kind of and, and spec, you know, the the guys like Jay Woodcroft and Ken Holland, uh, Jeff Jackson, they can't worry about the spectacle of the outdoor classic. They've got a long season. They have their prized possession in Connor McDavid. They're not going to, as disappointing as it is, I'm sure everybody is feeling rather deflated and it may or may not affect ticket sales. I don't know where those sit, but they can't worry about that. That can't be the driver in their decision on this. And Speck, you know, and and yeah, go ahead, Speck. Go ahead, Speck. Go ahead. I think thinking as an operator, which my time covering AAA minor league baseball taught me to often look at it through the eyes of the guy who's putting the show on. Yeah. Uh, his the fact that it's very questionable that he's going to play. The damage is done. You could roll them out. You know, a lot of people won't buy tickets, for instance. Like, this will hurt. You know, I, I'm not trying to be a damp, wet blanket here. This won't help ticket sales. And ticket sales aren't as good as they hoped they'd be. No. So my point would be this. By the time next Sunday rolls around, if they roll them out there, ticket sales are done. Right. It's this week that counts for ticket sales. Mm-hmm. You want to say, you know, this conjecture will do the damage, whatever damage it's going to do to ticket sales. If you play Sunday, play Sunday. But no one's walking up to the wicket at five o'clock and buying a ticket because they heard Connor McDavid might play. Uh, Mark Spector's uh, with us. Uh, Carius Jameson, 1440 Sports in Edmonton. It's the best, especially with Jamo here. Spec. <laughs> Another pregnant pause spec. Just kidding. Um, so who who picks up the slack here? <laughs> Who's pulling on the rope a little harder now in this next? Uh, well, let's just start for tomorrow. Yeah, well, I, let's let's start with everybody. Like I can name, I can mm-hmm. rattle off seven guys who haven't done enough here, right? So you know, you lost your best player. There's a lot of teams, guys, across the National Hockey League that win a lot of games with a one-two punch at center that's a hell of a lot worse than Leon Dreisaitl yep. and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, okay? Games get won without the best player in the world on your roster. So who picks up the slack? Evander Kane has got much done. He'll probably get elevated again. We should talk about him in this segment too after mm-hmm. that video clip, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, how about these third-line guys like McLeod and Holloway? They've, done a, they've skated miles through five games and haven't accomplished, uh, you know, anything. They got to get some actual points on the board. I would say that uh, they finally got two goals from defensemen. This is a team that has not scored a third period goal yet this season. So somebody could get a little more clutch there. So listen, if if we're making a list of which guys could could probably could pick their game up a little bit, it's not a short list, gentlemen. Speck, let's get to Evander Kane. Uh, you've watched him you've, throughout his career, and you've watched him very closely since he's become an Edmonton Oiler. Uh, you see what out of him now um, that was is you know was not there when he was playing his very best. And you got to go back, obviously, before the wrist industry, a wrist injury, I should say. Um, what what is missing? I don't know. Like the chances aren't there. Yeah. You know, so you got to work backwards when the chances aren't there. Why aren't the chances there? Has he lost a step? I mean, he's in, by all accounts, he's in excellent shape. I just happened to talk to him the other day, and he's wearing that, you know, those skin-tight workout clothes that athletes wear. He is is in unbelievable sort of physical shape. So I'm not ever going to say, oh, look at that guy. He's carrying 10 extra pounds. I'm not saying that at all. So why isn't he getting the chance? I'm not seeing Kev. Stop mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I'm not seeing him, 
you know, taking a pass in open ice and with that 20-foot wrist shot that he scores on. I haven't seen that all year. He's not getting that chance. He's, so yeah. I would try to examine why. I, I would examine why. I think, yeah, uh, his, he's not shooting the puck like he was prior wrist injury. If, is that the problem? Um, he would be the only guy that would be able to tell you that. I don't see that. But, you know, at times you see him in on the forecheck and he steamrolls a guy into the glass, uh, but just not seeing enough of it and to me he, he kind of reminds me like a, a an old veteran player that's been around a long time and just kind of going just just kind of waiting to flick the switch on instead of trying to be a little more uh proactive he's being a little more uh reactive in my opinion but do you think uh and i think you were talking about the clip and that's the uh, interview with scott oak uh, after the uh intermission that's what you're referring to Spec? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. just in case, so our, you know, he had an interview uh, on Hockey Night in Canada with Scott Oak, and basically Scott asked him about the fight that he had with Brendan Dillon and, and you know, to just not word for word, but he said, well, I didn't, get, didn't see the ice much in the first period, so I thought I might as well get into a fight in the second and uh, sit seven minutes in mm-hmm. the penalty box. So I think what you were kind of trying to refer to, Spec, is the sense that does that – get back and it does of course to the coaches to the players and what's the reaction is that what you're kind of getting out there well yeah that's exactly well i know this i was just talking to my boss out in toronto and he said that that clip went absolutely viral on sportsnet.ca and got you know thousands of hits and uh, you know what like listen I honestly, I, I saw the clip and I, I thought, well, there was four minor penalties in the first period. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, he got demoted off the first line. He's been a first-line player all year. He was on the third line in that game, so he's going to get a little less ice time. Then there's four penalties in the first period. Well, he didn't get out in the pen, on the power play because he's on the second unit, and he doesn't, you know, he's about the third or fourth set of forwards coming over the boards in the PK. So, Honestly, when he said I didn't get much ice time in the first period, I thought, yeah, you're right, you didn't, because there wasn't a lot of ice time for for Evander Kane. I didn't see it as him complaining. I didn't see it as him, you know. I, I think a lot of people look at that clip and go, oh, Evander Kane's complaining about his ice time. I didn't see that, and I think I'll stand on my record when it comes to defending players or mm-hmm. or defending the team. I mean, if I thought he said it, I'd tell you. I thought it was just a uh, Ryan Reeves in Toronto would have said the same thing. If there's a bunch of penalties, he wouldn't play either. He'd probably jump the boards and get in a scrap to get himself in the game. Uh, I, I didn't. I thought there was nothing there, but the fans certainly thought there was because it was a big topic in the weekend. Uh, you said you had a list of about six or seven guys that need to uh, not just step up now, but uh, needed to be uh, present and accounted for right from the start of the season. Connor Brown is where on that list for you? Yeah, he's the probably the one guy that gets the biggest pass because of his, you know, the major injury that he had. Right. It's just I've watched hockey for long enough, guys, and I can name enough guys over enough years of torn ACL and twelve months between games. It takes a while. It just takes a while. I think this team knew it was going to start the season with a fairly ineffective Connor Brown, and that's what they've got. And you won't catch me. You know, listen, I'll look at Evander Kane and say, Evander Kane, you're healthy now. Start producing. It's five games in. You haven't got much done. Let's go. I won't look at Connor Brown and say the same thing. It's He's got to get some games under his belt, guys. Uh, Mark Spector with Carius Jameson on Sports 1440. Goaltending. Where are you at with goaltending, Spec? Uh, I, we're basically in the same position to start the season as we are 
right now. No one's grabbed the bull by the horns here. Yeah, no one's grabbed the bull by the horns. Uh, you know, Skinner messed up his own night when he made that bad call to yeah. go chase that puck. He let, you know, yeah. basically he let in one one goal in the evening uh, in regulation time that wasn't, you know, completely of his own making, right? He stays back in his net and makes that save. He's got a one-goal night maybe, and you go, hey, how well did you play? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was just a sign of the times in Edmonton. Here's a guy trying to do too much. Here's a guy chasing a puck he never should have chased. And, uh, you know, it was a free goal in a 2-2 game, and you got a team that can't cover them up. And it, there has been a lot of years around here, guys, where you let two goals in, you're going to get a W in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It's not going on right now, is it? Uh, lots of texts coming in, uh, spec to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. A lot about the Heritage Classic uh, regarding tickets, availability, prices. Uh, are you excited about this game, or have we had so many of them that it's sort of like a little bit you're a little tone deaf to the whole situation? Where are you at with uh, Sunday's game? Well, even even uh, you know the head of the, Steve Mayer, the head of the uh, the NHL guy that's in charge of these things, admitted at the press conference. Look, we do a lot of these, and he said, "I get it, how it's not the spectacle it once was." But he said, "What he said was these have become hyper local. They've become really big local stories. Wherever you put it on, they love it, right?" You know, maybe we're not getting the TV ratings across the country because we've seen so many outdoor games. I mean, they've played in the Cotton Bowl. They've played in Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. They've played on Lake Tahoe. They've played at Wrigley Field. They've played at Fenway. The bloom's off the rose, boys, let's face it. But this is still supposed to be a big local story. So it interests me. You know, I'll be interested to see what Albertans think of going out to a 55,000-seat stadium in the winter and watching a hockey game. I think a true hockey fan – you know, we'll we'll let their opinion be known on whether the tickets were priced properly, whether it's worth going out there to see a, a game where you're so far away from the puck, it's hard to see the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a bit of a litmus test because mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you guys, Edmonton's a very, very good hockey town. So if, if they don't sell enough tickets here, it's not a reflection on Edmonton. It's a reflection on something else. And the tall four heads like us three will be figuring out what that is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go as a fan to the game. Well, as you should. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not going in the as press box. I'm no. going as a fan. Always a better experience you know, there. See what it's like. You know, sit with the rubes, Spec. Sit with the rubes. That's what you should do. Now, <laughs> what about Commonwealth? They uh, That's it for football in there. What do we think about our football team, boys? Not much. Well, as we said Friday, Eddie Steele was in on Friday. Uh, you were off. I wish you would have been able to hear. I think the whole organization, the whole city is just glad that the season's over. Um, look on to next year. Hopefully they can fix a lot of things, fix a lot of problems, because there were many of them. Dave, you know many of them. Yes, I do. Um but I think that was the whole feeling that I got from the team and the city, the fans, the players for that matter. Let's just get this one over with, um, move on to next season, and and hopefully we can turn things around. Spec, if this were a home game, there would have been guys with their cars turned on and warming up in the third <laughs> quarter and the Tupperware in the backseat, ready to get out of here. It's that kind of season. You got to, like, and... We're going to hear at 10 o'clock this morning from the Elks. They've got a media veil, Chris yeah. Jones, and some I of the key so. players, I would expect. They'll, I'm sure, focus on Trey Ford, a few other highlights, and uh, we're going to have to come back and be better. And we've heard all of that stuff before, but this is two years of Chris Jones, and 
Let's let's see if it's uh, if there is a third. Yeah, I, I guess if I had one question to ask, and mm-hmm. Chris Jones would be, how can a guy with his football acumen? I mean, he's a football man through and through. He's an evaluator. He knows enough about the game to hold to wear like three hats in Edmonton, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one's questioning whether Chris Jones can, knows a football player when he sees him. I would ask him, how did you have Trey Ford on the sidelines for half your season? And by the time you put him in, the season was lost. Whose eyes thought that Cornelius and the other guy, Daigie, were better than Trey Ford? Because it couldn't have been Chris Jones's eyes. That would like, have been – It had to be a different decision. My opinion on that, and we'll see what Dave says, because that's Chris Jones, the GM, signing – Taylor Cornelius to the high contract yes, and going Chris Jones, the GM to Chris Jones, the coach, you better start this guy. He's the guy you signed. And do you trust a Canadian? Nathan Rourke can't enter into this conversation. And I, whether they want to say it publicly and they never will, there's always going to be apprehension. You know, Nathan Rourke played okay, at a, they, you know, a significant U S program and came in to the, we know what he did. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And season. I. I'm not defending it, Speck. I'm with you. It begs the question: yeah. If you had an idea and you, you were with the kid, you know, in the off season and all through training camp and then all through all of the practices and the film sessions, you should know what you've got. And they waited that long, and that'll be a question yeah. that I'm sure Rick Lawlisher mm-hmm. and and uh, will will ask Chris Jones during the you know the debriefing, the end of season meetings. Yeah, this is probably. I would say this is a GM who is stubbornly sticking with the decision he made months before to right. sign Cornelius. Mm-hmm. And and folks, that 0-9 start that cost you the season, you could probably blame it on the coaches and the GM's eagle more than you can on his eyeballs because there had to be a point during that 0-9 stretch where he said, oh, my God, the guy on the bench is way better than this guy on the field right now. Yeah. Well, we've got lots of uh... – Green and gold talk coming up in the next little bit. And uh, at 9 o'clock, Spec, can you beat this? Ricky Ray, Singor Mobley, Terry Ray, Jason Moss. Any good? Any good. What, are you getting them all on at once? You better have a lot of microphones. It's <laughs> a hell of a round <laughs> table. That's a, that, you know, just nonstop. Ricky Ray at 9, Singor Mobley, <laughs> Terry Ray at 9.20, Jason Moss at 9.40. Wow. <laughs> Not bad. Ask Terry Vaughn if they had enough playmakers. Terry, Terry Vaughn used to call Terry the receiving Ray. core the playmakers. Did I say Terry Vaughn? Sorry, Terry oh, Ray. Terry Ray. I said Terry Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, ask Terry yeah, Ray a what good group and those guys know football. Yeah, I'd like to know. I, I'd like to. I'd like to hear particularly from uh, uh, your quarterbacks on that crew because those guys. You know, this was a funny year in Edmonton. Oh, they had no. a quarterback. They didn't use him. He came in. They got good. In the end, four and 14, two years in a row, guys. Mm-hmm. There was a time in this town when that was not near good enough. Mm-hmm. All right, Spec, uh, thanks for this. Uh, we'll see you down at the rink. And then uh, you're not going to Minnesota tomorrow. A little bit of a reprieve on the travel this week. Yeah, I'm not going to Minnesota, so I'll be on the air with you all week, Kev. Oh, just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, big guy. Uh, Thanks, Beck. That was On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you'd need at uh, Booster Juice. Not sure if there was a, de- a little delay in the spec thing, or maybe he was just really trying to give it to us, like that. just that little one second or every time you're wondering, is spec going to say something or not? You know what I mean? Uh, but that is can be an effective way to shut down 
you know, well, shut whatever. down me. Well, okay, yeah, I was just going to say our, but yeah, yes. shut down you. Yes, yes. So effective... you shut down well, you. I mean, you're going. Am I supposed to say something now? Uh-huh. Is Spec waiting for me to say something? So uh, we got lots to talk about with uh, Dave Jamison in the next couple of segments. A lot of uh, text coming into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty about the Heritage Classic and why people are not going to the game. That's uh, coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Very happy to have our uh, special guest co-host, Dave Jamison, in studio at the Stingray Studios in uh, West Edmonton Mall. Dave, thanks for coming in today. And um, you were here before I was here even this morning. (laughs) Yes, I was. I looked in and I thought, wait a minute, there's no carriers. I got to jump in. You You probably saw the lights off and everyone going, hey, what time does the 7 o'clock show start? Right. Uh, Exactly. Uh, Lots of texts coming in to 1-833-401-1440. The reason I'm not going to the Heritage Classic is because of the price for a family of four it's uh, ridiculous. Shady Bob says, as a season ticket holder, I hate the Heritage Classic. Uh, season ticket prices still went up by $200 this year, but we only get 40 games, not 41, due to the Heritage Classic. Uh, so it's not it, it's not cheap one of these games. Well, it, I no, mean, not not, and that's not just the the Heritage Classic. Every every Oilers game. It's a premium sporting event, and I'm not here to. Yeah. I, I'm not a season ticket holder. I am for the Elks, uh, but the Edmonton Oilers and the National Hockey League, and certainly the NHL in Canada, is a premium sporting event. It's the it's the biggest week we've got, and I'm you know, and I guess you have to reconcile yourself mm-hmm. to what are you willing to pay for that? And that's why they always you've heard it for years and years. The real fans are all in the upper bowl. You know, that, those are where the tickets are cheaper. I'm not saying real fans. The, no, that the, term is passionate fans. Not, not, passionate fans. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, 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 although blue collar, uh, white collar. Sure, if you need, if you need to get specific as to you know how people earn their livings, um, I shy away from the labels. Um, listen, this is a passionate town in the mm-hmm. upper deck and lower deck, and. People have different economic means. How you spend your disposable income is entirely up to you, and um, and that's an argument that's not really worth having, in my yeah. opinion. But yes, it is duly acknowledged. It costs a lot of money to be entertained by the NHL in the city. So we're going to have some fabulous guests coming up uh, from 9 to 10. Ricky Ray, Singor Mobley, Terry Ray, Jason Moss. 20 years ago when you were... Mm-hmm. Uh, working for the Edmonton, then Eskimos, um, it was a magical time. Won the Grey Cup. 2003, actually, uh, back it up, um, 2002, we went to the Grey Cup yep. against, because you only played Montreal. the Montreal Canadiens, or Montreal Alouettes, I should say, uh, lost here at home on a frozen field. Uh, then the next year, a team that was just too good, it was not going to be beaten, that mm-hmm. 03 team, and uh, went to Regina and uh, slapped around Don Matthews Alouettes. And uh, that was the first Grey Cup in, in, I think that broke a 10-year. It was, uh, I think it was... 03 to 93, yeah? Yeah. um, So that was a very special, special team, a special Mm -hmm. time. And then a week after the game in Regina, we were back at Commonwealth, we, the collective we, for the Heritage Classic. 
And you were yeah, busy I was, doing I, I, stuff. I, I, and sure. I mean, your season just didn't end after the Grey Cup. You were busy no, doing other stuff. I, 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 for a couple of years, was producing the Oiler radio broadcast, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, we talked at the outset of when I came on the program this morning. I mean, my, my history, you know, is, uh, <laughs> is, is kind of a curious one. But I uh, was the first program director of 630 Chet, where the Oiler games uh, mm-hmm. could still be heard. And so I... Uh, so I, when I ended up over at the Eskimos uh, for a couple of years, I ended up doing the helping out on the radio side of things, and you know that was was kind of a wild time. Mm-hmm. People wrapped in pink asbestos at Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium, and you saw all sorts of cool stuff. But it's it's certainly something that'll stick with you. If you went to that first one, um, you know that was the good stuff. It's it's always hard to try and replicate the charm, and you never will be able to. Well, I remember because when you were doing, you know, yourself and Alan Watt with doing the broadcast and being a part of that, you asked me to kind of fill in at certain times. That started in 2003. Correct. As well. And then actually that game, I'm not sure if you recall, but uh, you asked me, you and Alan asked me and Gene Principe to be on the bench. Correct. For the alumni game, which... Again, when you saw that, that was that's probably one of the highlights for me in in 33 years of broadcasting. But uh, Gene was on the the Oilers bench. I was on the Montreal Canadiens bench. Yeah. It was because of the heaters on those benches. I mean, it was smoking hot. The guys were just sweating. Yeah. And then they'd go out, and the sweat would freeze to their face. <laughs> It was just bizarre. You know, but back to just thinking about that image you've laid on us uh, and what Speck said earlier about mm-hmm. the quality of ice. And, I'm, you know, we're talking 20 years ago, oh. ice making and all of the things that go on around these events. I mean, they have obviously modernized it and the technology and all of the things they have at their disposal. And there are no better ice makers in the world than what yeah. the NHL has. Dan Craig just, back but, then yeah. too, yeah. Um, but it is something that would come into play if you were talking about Connor McDavid is if he were to return mm-hmm. in a week and play in that game, is that the ice surface you want him on? Exactly. That's what we said off the top. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's uh, conducive to a guy that's, you know, the best edger in, in the world, turning, stopping, right? you know, starts, stops. Um, getting back to that ice, I remember I stood beside uh, Bob Gainey for the whole game. He was the quasi, you know, they had about 17 coaches on the bench yeah. there. And uh, I don't know, Bob and I were just talking. We were talking about the ice. And Guy Lafleur turned around and, and he said, the ice is having terrible. And, you know, it just, you know, he just, it almost like he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as well. And the fact that you just dropped Bob Gainey and Guy Lafleur (laughs) in the same sentence, uh, I don't know if I've ever been more proud of you. (laughs) Oh, that was, it was a real highlight uh, uh, for sure. So your time with, uh, and we can call him the Eskimos back then. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing too, Dave. You know what? You were emceeing, and I thought about this. uh, you were emceeing Terry Vaughn's, uh, um, they had in the alumni room. Yeah. Uh, so you're, it was just kind of a get together. The, the day guys, before the game. Yes. You, yeah. You, the day before Terry Vaughn's number and mm-hmm. name went up on the wall. I remember yourself and, and, and Rick Lalisher both always, you never said former elk, former anything. It was always Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Do you, is that hard? Like when you look back and you go, you're like, we're going to talk to all these great players. They never go, oh, I'm a former elk. They never say that. It's not hard for me, Kevin, yeah. because um, I, I understand. You know, I I had a I wasn't with the club when they went through the process, but mm-hmm. I you know know Alan Watt well, and 
have some, I think I have a very good idea of the process they went through in the name change, and I'm not here to re-argue it or any yeah. of that. I'm proud to have worked for the Edmonton Eskimos, and I can tell you in the 14 years I was there, um, it was, but it was a different time. Mm-hmm. I only dealt with complaints about the name very infrequently. Now, that doesn't, I'm not here again yeah. to say yeah. that it was, a, you know, it was just a different time. And so if there was opposition to the name, it wasn't able to coalesce and gather momentum. And you also have to remember the context of the time when the Washington Redskins changed and we know what's the Cleveland Indians and all of that. All of those names, there was a lot happening. So the fact that the name was changed, you know, on you twinge a little bit, you, you like, oh, that's part of my history. But it's not about me. It's it's um, so I don't find it hard to make the mm-hmm. leap, but I also you know, I've got a couple of Grey Cup rings that I tuck away in the safe deposit box, and I know where they came from and the team, the name we played under at the time. Yeah. So it's, you know, but it's it's uh, it's in the history, and speaking of the history, uh, the club's heading into its 75th season. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great history, but now it's time for the Elks to make their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It is time. It's a, it's a new chapter. Yes. And uh, we'll see where things go moving forward. So... <sighs> You know, I, I was lucky enough when I got here in 98 or whatever it was, you were one of the first guys that I met because that's who we dealt with as media. And I mean, right. there was way more media covering things than, than there are now. I mean, you, you've you got to just kind of go, wow. I mean, what's... Could you what's, do a roll call right now? Yeah. I, I, just off the top of my head. We, okay. Like of the stations in town, and you worked in television yep. for many, many years. You think of all of the stations that had a sports component... You know, mm-hmm. if not a full, well, they all had full-blown sports casts and sports departments. And then you think of the newspapers at the time, two of them and robust, often sending down a couple of people per outlet. Per and day. Per day. You um, know, you'd open the door to the dressing room and, you know, for media veil, and you guys would roll past me yeah. and there'd be, you know, six cameras for, on a big day. Yes, um, and we touched on that when we first started here. Like, you know, Jason Greger and I had a discussion about this, you know, before, you know, like months and months ago. And mm-hmm. I said, this is the first time that we're building something in this city, that a media, that we're building a media outlet. We've been erasing, we've been subtracting. Uh, before, when I left Global, I was the last television sportscaster left in Edmonton. You said it, we had, in our department, we had John Sexsmith, mm-hmm. myself, Slav Kornick, going back we always had three. CTV always had three people up until they gassed their sports department. A-Channel. A-Channel had two or three. CBC had two or three. English and French. Yes. Patrick Henry. Yeah. The last guy left. He goes, I'm the last guy left. I'm the last guy left. <laughs> um, both papers. There were six, seven guys at the Sun and women. There were about 10 sports reporters you also the had, let us not forget, TSN, Sportsnet, and The Score. Yes. I mean, all of this... It's a different... We, we, we get it. We understand the landscape. Yes. Uh, the, the, the ground has shifted under our feet, and it has been for, for many, many years. But mm-hmm. it does take you back to a time when, you know, and I, and I said this when you guys launched, uh, when everyone was running away from AM radio and, and that format, or this format, uh, I applauded Jason and, and you guys for running towards it mm-hmm. and saying, no, I think we can, you know, and I, I believe this town is very well served now yep. with the options out there. I mean, you, you've that's got all this. We want. That's what the got, fans want. That's what the yes, listeners want. Different that's what sports perspectives, fans want. Yes. So I sort of went in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. How much fun did you have working for the then Eskimos as 
you know, the director of comms. And then the vice president. The vice yes. president. Um, and- it, it was, it, yeah, there, there was a lot of fun. There were a lot of long days, as you mm-hmm. would imagine. Um, you know, the season, you really didn't get a day off from, you know, a month out of training camp all the way through. And then, yeah. you know, the season. Um, because I did, you know, I had two distinct roles. I, I was the day-to-day communications person, but I also was responsible for the marketing of the team. I mean, that everything yeah. from directing ad campaigns to... Got the look of the season ticket stock and all of that. So when, you know, the practice ended and you guys got in your vehicles to go back to the stations, I used to have to go up to the boardroom and, mm-hmm. and do, which, which was great. And I loved all of it. Um, and there's some wild stories over the years, as you would imagine, when you do something like yeah. that in that time in sports, you know, I've just, somebody, we were, I was talking to somebody during the reunion about going to court with Alfred Payton. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, getting his assault charge or trying to get it uh-huh. uh, overturned and retried and and I you know and the stories like that come to mind the blackout in Toronto in 03 that's got to be one of the bigger ones huh well yeah just because uh, it, it lasted so long well it was a national story yeah. kevin we were the little team that didn't couldn't come home had nowhere to stay. We did have a luxury hotel in Toronto to stay. We had no money. The commissioner of the CFL, Tom Wright, came and met uh, Tom Higgins, Dwayne Mandrusiak, and I drained three bank accounts. Yeah. And he brought us bags, paper bags of cash so that we could do the per diems. And we sat in a hotel room and I'd count them out, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. All right, Mike Pringle. And I'd write Pringle. Michael, 34, his number. Seal that envelope. All right, next one, Dorian Boose, you know, and go through the lit. Like we would, and then go and give the guys their money because we'd run out of cash. But yeah, so that 03, and then obviously that was a great story within the greater story of winning the Grey Cup that year. It was almost like that was a year, uh, if destiny is the right word, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but everything kind of came together. It just started building. Well, building. we were also really good. You guys had a great team. Really yeah. good. Really good team. Really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to tell you, like the, we'd be standing, you know, and I, down at the beginning of the game. And I asked Dwayne Mandrusiak one mm-hmm. day, I said, you know, you were here for the, you, you've seen the very best, the five in a row, Warren Moon, and... I don't know where you want to put this particular group, the 0203, and they won in 05 mm-hmm. with a, you know, largely the same team. A very disappointing loss in 04. They could have, if you know, um, things had turned out differently in 04, gone on, a, you know, maybe one to three straight cups. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd stand in the tunnel with that 03 team and look out and go, the other guys are not beating us. Mm-hmm. No chance. No chance. They were tough. That was a tough, tough team with some bad dudes, and I love it. Yeah. Ed Hervey, bad dude, good dude. Boy, he's a dear friend of mine, yes. but that was a – you didn't mess with us. No. On or off the field. Oh, that's uh, good stuff. We'll have uh, much more uh, with Dave uh, Jameson, our uh, – Guest co-hosts, it's like uh, the old Canon episodes. At the end, they had special guest stars, yes. Dave Jameson. Uh, that's coming up after the break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 845 in Edmonton. Text coming in to one 401 From Oliver Steve, my friend Thomas Ringwell speaks very highly of his time working with J-Mo at mm. the Eskimos. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yes, I remember Thomas. The well. Tank, you called him? Yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Yeah, his big guy or no? Not at all. Oh. That was the whole point. <laughs> oh. Is he was very undersized. Um, so he, uh, Thomas the, the tank engine, the, the, right? The engine that yes, could, I guess. You got yes, it. Uh, yes. Carrie is Jameson Sports fourteen forty. Um, so 
after, you know, you did many things, Dave, as mm-hmm. far as broadcasting goes. We talked about it off the top back in Vancouver. But then the last little while here, you went over to, to you know, TSN 1260 and worked there for a number of years. Nine, nine and a half years, and it ended with a, a hard network Boom. hard <laughs> network out at 9 a.m. on June 14th, yes. you got, Like the, the plug was just pulled. No one knew a thing. Did you know a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did before we were sat in the boardroom. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I knew where it was going. But, you know, Kev, because I, I have worked on the business side yeah. of the business of, of broadcast, um, you know, it was, you'd have to know that the day was coming. You just wouldn't know it was that particular day, given, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the overall climate and where things were financially and, you know, the, uh, um, the investment required um, to, you know, make some bricks and mortar changes. I'm talking like transmitter and that kind of thing. So you just, you, you sort of get in the ready position, as they say. Bryn Griffiths was a co-host with us yes. a couple of weeks ago. He, he spoke of his journey with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you had um, neck and throat cancer? I, head and neck is the broad category, okay. and uh, I was diagnosed on June 5th of 2021. Uh, this is why I am a staunch advocate for all people to be uh, very strong advocates for their own personal health. I mm-hmm. found um, my cancer, um, well, I, the oncologist found it, uh, and, but uh, I was alerted to the fact that there had been a change in the left side of my neck and um and i was shaving and i noticed something was just off and i couldn't quite figure it out obviously on my own but i knew that i needed it looked at so i went uh, to see my doctor and he came looked at me ran his hand down the left side you know just around mm-hmm. the contour of the neck by the jaw and down and uh, he left the room really quickly yeah came back in he said look i'm you've either got a gland issue and i'll give you some penicillin should knock it out in 10 days or you have cancer and i'm like whoa whoa whoa, hold on just let's not skip by point number two and he went and you're going for a scan right now you're going in for want to get some images images came back they called me back in a couple of days later remember we're in a pandemic kev Mm -hmm. when this is going down people aren't getting yeah, things dealt with quickly. And so I went back in um, and he wouldn't let me leave the office uh, for a long time until he found me an appointment, which I got in for a PET scan in Fort Saskatchewan a couple of days later. And on June 5th um, of 2021 at 2.07, it's funny how you remember those dates and times, um, I was diagnosed with uh, with cancer. And then I, I got a biopsy a couple of weeks later and it was determined I had a three centimeter tumor on my left, where my left tonsil had been. And so on uh, July 30th, um, I went into the U of A for a six-hour operation. They removed the tumor, 37 lymph nodes, and a part of my body I didn't know exists called base of tongue. And so I now, and base of tongue, and I'm, I know it's early, and so I, I, for your listeners, I won't get too graphic about it, but what it does, it's the, it's the thing in your body that helps push food down. I no longer have that. Okay. So swallowing and eating are very difficult for me. Um, and that'll, that will not improve. I mean, it'll get improved slightly for the rest of whatever length of time I got on the planet. Um, so that I now am in a category of people who suffer from dysphagia and I'm taking part in a study with McMaster university on that. And, uh, that's anybody for any reason who has difficulty 
swallowing food. It could mm-hmm. be because they've had a stroke or, in my case, surgery. And re- You know, I had six weeks of head and neck radiation, which is among the worst you can have. Um, and finish that up. I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary um, uh, on, on the end of that in my life. But it's been a, it's been a very difficult journey. I've lost... Um, yeah, there's been some things that have really changed about my life and yeah. my, my body, and uh, but the work goes on. Dave Jamison uh, with us on Sports 1440. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 1440 Just tuning in this morning, fellas. Good to hear your voice on the air. Uh, J-Mo, Soul. Thank you. Um, what helped you get through everything? Well, um, you know, it's funny when you when you the word enters your life. Um, I've lost one of my brothers to uh, cancer a number of years ago, and uh, my brother surviving has it now. Um, so you hear it, and you think, "And mine, my cancer is not, you know, familial. It's not connected in any way to anybody else in my family." Um, it, it, you, what sustained me was, okay, well, I have three children, uh, Lindsay, Abby, and Danny, and I'd like to live longer. They're adults, and they're, mm-hmm. they're off and running in their lives. But I would like to hang around, <laughs> see if I can get some more uh, time with them and whatever they're going to do. Um, and then, you know, I, like I'd set goals. Okay, let's try surviving. Okay, so I did that. Um, I wanted to go back to work, which I did within 10 months. And that was very difficult because I I heard the stat recently because I work out with John Sexsmith at the Alberta Cancer Exercise Program at the U of A, which I will soapbox on that a little later. Mm -hmm. Um, I I said, okay, well, I want to go back to work. So I did that. But 60% of the people that have my kind of cancer often don't return to their jobs and certainly not as a broadcaster. Um, it was it was a tough. It, it, I had some tough days, right? Because I lost my voice for almost a month, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember going in um, and having the pre-op meeting with my surgeon, and I said, you know, I I make my money talking. Uh, sometimes not well, but that's how I make my money. And I said, will I have a voice when I come out? He said, uh, we'll try. Let let we'll hope. You know, because you're radiating the vocal mm-hmm. cords yeah. when you're doing this kind of treatment. So um, it, it was, you know, get back to work, which I did. Um, return to physical activity. I wanted to play hockey again. I'm not quite there yet. And I was a competitive tennis player, and I'm mm-hmm. back on the court at the Savile Center. Uh-huh. Um, and and by the way, just anybody that takes 19 years <laughs> off of playing a sport, it's not like riding a bike. <laughs> Trust me, it's not like riding a bike. But uh, anyhow, it's a, it's it is a daily grind, and it's a process. Yeah. And but you know, Bryn, you mentioned Bryn Griffiths, yep. John Saxsmith, also he too, um, on this journey. And the people that reached out to me when I went public with my diagnosis, and then you know they would check in. Um, friends you hear from, and then there are people in my orbit, and there you know there are mm-hmm. guys that we're going to talk to this morning that would reach out and check in, and people I'd never met before. Yeah. You know that that stuff um, that is life sustaining. Yeah. Do you remember uh, when you went back on the air, when you came back? Mm-hmm. You know, what was that like, that first show back, I guess? N- ner- nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, I don't get nervous, you know, talking in public. I'm, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't get nervous. I mean, there's an apprehension, but you use that to, to hopefully do a good job. Um, it was, you know, I was scared. I would lose my voice and mm-hmm. have to turn off the mic. And it was a lot of hard work, Kev. And of yeah. course, I couldn't eat. Right. So I'd go a good chunk of the day without being able to nourish myself properly. So I was just kind of hanging on, to be honest with you. Yeah. The the energy level low. Well, 
Yeah, and and you know this is, <laughs> um, I, I've never really had a real job, but I will say this: um, that if you're going to do broadcasting and do it well, you better be able to to bring it. Yeah. For two hours, one hour, thirty minutes, whatever it is, four hours, four hours, as you know, Kev, yeah. it's it's a it can be a pull. And so when you, you're when you're dealing with, you know, what I was dealing with, uh, it was uh, there were some some tough days. So you when you came back, you you and low tide went to four hours. Correct. Yes, yeah, so I think it was back a week or so in the two hour format, and then and then the show got you know elongated, if you will, or mashed together, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and uh, we were off and running, and so yeah. it made you know there were some long days when my voice just you know I was. Uh, kind of croaking it out near the end so from nine to ten we're calling it the uh double e power hour yes uh, so we have uh ricky ray singer mobley terry ray and jason moss mm-hmm. could you put your finger on maybe one thing two things that you want to ask these guys talk to these guys about well you know? I, I think you know for all of them you know it, it's been a long time since i've talked to t ray um and certainly i haven't talked to jason in in a long time but yeah, I shouldn't say a long time. I mean, since he became coach in Montreal, I think mm-hmm. I saw him when he was with uh, Saskatchewan. Um, you know, I, I go back to those days, and that was a special group. I mean, I think for for Ricky and and certainly Jason, you know, the quarterbacks, the ones and the one and twos, they don't have to work well together. They don't have to be supportive of each other. They don't have. You know, there's lots of you know. Look at Aaron Rodgers by all accounts, not necessarily terribly supportive of young understudies. Well, these guys, um, I mean, Ricky replaced Jason Moss, Mm -hmm. and yet Jason Moss is the reason they won the 05 Grey Cup. (laughs) He got them there. and But there was a really special bond between those two that I don't think happens very often. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they've remained friends. And, um, you know, again, the Edmonton experience for all of those guys. I mean, Singor started here, left to go to Dallas, returned. And, you know, you could argue probably quite vigorously that Singor should have his name on that yes. wall of honor at some point as well. You know, when <laughs> T. Ray could have, should have been here longer. But, you know, I guess we, you know, we can get into that with, with him. But uh, he was a big part of that team. Yeah, I mean, I think Singor's got to be the next guy up. Uh, I don't even. Well, I, I could. I, mean, I, I would. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'd add Blake Dermott and uh, Jed Roberts in there as well. We. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was talking to Ed Jones about five years ago, I said, mm-hmm. "We are just Ed. You got to be up there." Like it mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and, and, and he and, was finally. And now he is. Yes, yes. finally. Uh, much more with uh, Dave Jameson, our special guest co-host. On the Kevin Carey Show, we've got uh, the double E Power Hour coming up. Ricky Ray, Singor Mobley, Terry Ray, Jason Moss. Man, we're going back uh, 20 years to talk some great, great green and golders. When we come back on Sports 1440, first up, here's the Duke with a sports update.